Today we're going to learn about something called religion. You've heard that word before. It's like this candle. If you just have one part of religion, it's cold and empty and unfeeling and it's just a list of rules. But if you only have the other part, then it's kind of willy-nilly. Have you heard that word? And it's just whatever you want it to be. Religion is a good thing if we take the two things together. We're going to learn about that this morning. Okay. Great. Let's turn to Romans chapter 12. Last week or the week before, we looked at the introduction to Hebrews, where we're going to learn about who Christ is, or to fill in our gaps of who, how we understand Christ. For one Sunday a month next year, I want to look at one verse out of Romans 12, from verse 9. So today is the introduction to Romans 12. And I've called it, Let Love Be, and we'll see why now. But this morning, the introduction to this chapter is verse 1 and 2. Let's read it together and pray, and we'll get into it. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we pray that as we look at this incredibly important chapter, this, this culmination of the outpouring of our faith, this religion, that we may have a better understanding of what it means to walk with you, Lord. Amen. Oh, I'm sure we've had that in our life perhaps before we get saved or got saved, perhaps during our Christian walk, perhaps we experience it with family and friends. We have this one side where religion is, is a chore. It's, it's just a checklist of things that we can go down and, uh, and do. And if we do enough things, then God will be pleased. Perhaps it's not vacuuming on a Sunday. <laughs> Perhaps it's something as small as that. And we, we have this one side of the coin, but perhaps it's the other side. We, we've heard, I've heard many people say that, um, I'm, I don't like religion. I have, uh, a relationship with Christ. Now the sentiment is, is is valid. People are speaking against that checklist way of doing things, and they want they want Christ to be more personal, and He is. 
But on this side as well, we miss the point. We miss the point that Scripture is full of commands. And we cannot ignore these commands and only live in the experiential. I'm here this morning to tell you that these these things are actually one and the same. And it is the introduction to the outpouring or the, the outliving of our faith. And we'll get to that. So in your outlines, there's just two main points. We're going to look at verse 1 and verse 2. Now, The, the summary of verse 1 is simply this. A changed uh, conduct and character. And it comes from us. It says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God. Now that word there, mercies of God, imagine your life and your Christian walk and everything you know about Scripture and everything you've learned and been challenged by and lived through as a Christian summed up in that phrase, mercies of God. We have to carry it with us into this chapter, okay? That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So let's go through that. You know, it says somewhere else in Scripture, it uses the word present your bodies or present your members. Listen to this. This is from... Um, Romans 6, verse 13. Romans 6, verse 13. I'll read it. It says, Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. It's the same word, the word that they translated here, yield, and the word from our verse 1 that says present. The idea is that it's the literal ideas built into the word to present, here is my, my body, my members, um, do with it what you will. <laughs> so we can heal our members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. Verse 13 goes on, but yield yourselves rather unto God as those who are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. When we sin, how do we sin? The only, the only way that it's possible for us to sin is through our bodies. We can think sinful thoughts, yes, but when we think lustful thoughts about something, what's motivating us to think those thoughts? Our bodies. <laughs> when we think, I've, I've hurt, you've hurt me, I'm going to hurt you right back. We can't just think hurt on someone. Sin because would lead us to act out that hatred in our bodies. That is why in verse, in, in verse 1 here it says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable 
unto God. That word acceptable is well-pleasing, and it's used over and over and over and over. We can do things that is pleasing to God. Yes. So don't throw that checklist away quite yet. might come in handy, but we have to take it together. Verse 1 goes with verse 2. There are things that we can do in our Christian walk that pleases God. How do we present our bodies a living sacrifice? Well, when they prepared a sacrifice in the Old Testament, there were very stringent rules that they had to follow. The the priest had to purify himself and then provide a sacrifice for himself and then provide the atonement sacrifice and sprinkle the blood on the... um, on the temple ornaments, and then on the people, and and there were these many things that they had to do to prepare a sacrifice. Now, when Christ came as the one uh, sacrifice for all, um, he wiped that off the altar, but worship doesn't stop. And so... Active effort is required from each and every Christian that we bring to the process of sanctification. If you've never heard that word, that is, after salvation, that is what Christ, um, the Holy Spirit in us, achieves through us to make us more Christ-like, to make us more set apart. But it is not something we just sit back and it happens to us. It is, it, it is something that we cannot do in our, in our own selves, but it requires active participation. And this is what verse 1 and 2 is essentially bringing us to. So to know there are things that I can do that I can actively apply myself to in my body. I can, I can do something that is pleasing to God. Yeah. That's the first side of this coin we call religion. And it is a wonderful and beautiful thing if we take it together. It says, and this is our reasonable service. Now, in some translations, many other translations, it would say, and this is our spiritual worship. Now, I have to address that because in our King James, it would say reasonable service. Any other translation would say a combination of spiritual service or reasonable worship or spiritual worship. So I'll just address that quickly. Um, The word in the original language there is um, logoken, okay? Logic. It comes from the word logos, which is word. So the word literally there, reasonable, is rational. But the thing is that this word is only used two times in the New Testament. The other time it's used very directly with the idea of worship. And in fact, the context of this chapter, we cannot remove this idea of worship from this at all. It's intrinsically baked into chapter 12. 
it can be very um, rightly translated as spiritual worship instead of reasonable service. But listen to this. This is from uh, a commentary about this verse, and it was very insightful. Maybe it'll help you marry this two idea that we worship with our intellect as well as with our heart, and that we serve um, in these rational, reasonable things, but it's completely connected to um, a worshipful heart to God. Listen to this. This Paul says is your spiritual worship, an expression that cannot be understood and that could be understood um, as your reasonable service. There is a problem relating to both adjective and noun. Today, most interpreters understand the adjective as spiritual, which makes good sense and certainly is there in mind. But it is hard to think of the connection, that the connection with reason has been completely lost, that there is something to be said for intelligent worship. You see, we cannot feel confident, perhaps, with either spiritual or rational. Um, If either spiritual or rational is absent from the adjective, neither can we feel confident if either worship or service is lacking from the noun. So in other words, our reasonable service is intellectually worshipful. <laughs> Let's move on. The second side of this coin, a change of heart and mind. Verse 2, be not conformed to this world, by, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So, the amazing thing about verse 2 is, it's not actually a command at all. Do you know what passive voice is? Passive voice is when something is done to the object of a sentence. So let's say Robin kicks a ball. That's an active sentence. A passive sentence is the ball is kicked by Robin. In this verse, every single (laughs) verb is in the passive voice. In other words, you and I are the ball. We're just sitting there, and something is happening to us. And be not conformed to this world. It's a passive. Something is happening to us in that sentence. We know that when we get saved, the Holy Spirit indwells us, and it seals us to everlasting life, and it empowers us to to the service of God, and it frees us from the the bonds of sin, and it intercedes for us um, in prayer to God, and it transforms us into the image of Christ. Be not conformed. Conformed 
if we think of the idea that we um, that we f we are fashioned, we are molded to resemble something, this world. That's a passive thing as well. That without the spirit, we are molded by the world we live in. We are we are bound to it and we become like it in one way or another. It says, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that is happening to you. I, I, I really struggled with this in my early walk, like, how do I transform my mind? How do I, what do I do? <laughs> do I, do I just sit back and, and, um, I don't know, I was at an impasse. But if we take these two things together, the active participation that we give to our own sanctification with our thoughts and our steps and our decisions and our and our members, our body, and we take that with the working out of the grace of God within us. And I see that in all of you, and I think back on my own spiritual walk, that this is what happens, that a change takes place in us that we cannot explain. And we think differently about things. Our values change. Our priorities change. What matters in our life changes. And many times we say we have to part from longtime friends. We, we feel more distant from, from family, perhaps. We, we, we don't feel comfortable in our work and, uh, because I've changed, and it's not, and you can't think back to any one decision, but the Holy Spirit in us renews our thinking, that you may prove what is good, that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, that is also a passive, that you may prove, in other words, that you may be the evidence of it. Okay, so now we get to the end of this introduction. We're going to pick up next year from verse 9. Have you ever heard that verse in, in James, verse 27 of chapter 1? Pure religion and un, is undefiled before God and the Father. And this is that religion to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted in the world. You know, as we go through Romans 12 from verse 9, you'll see how, how overarching it is in our quest to love God and love one another. And by the end of the year, we'll read James 1.27 again. Say, yes, that makes perfect sense. I get it now. I get why that is pure and undefiled religion. Chapter 12 is going to help us with that, to rediscover 
what religion truly is. And I called it, let love be. I'm just going to read verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil and cling to that which is good. So read chapter 12. Read Hebrews. And I'm excited for the journeys we're going to undertake next year together. Let us pray now. Thank the Lord. Dear God, we do thank you for your word, for the guidance, for the practical wisdom that we can find in it. I pray that you may help us to actively apply ourselves to do what is necessary, to turn from evil, to cling to what is good, to present our bodies a living sacrifice, to prepare it and ourselves and our hearts and our minds that we're well-pleasing. Help us to undertake this journey in scripture and study and prayer and fellowship to find what pleases you and do those things that your spirit empowers us to do that. And that is not cold and empty, but it is a wonderful union of the responsibility you have given us and your sovereign power to change hearts and make a new creation in us. And we thank you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.